0: Welcome to Highly Educated, the podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Sherman. Tonight, we bring you a long-awaited episode from the one and only Taffa T-Shine Peters. Calling in from Los Angeles, California, you may know T-Shine through his success in the music industry as an artist and rapper under YSL, which is Young Thug's recording label. T-Shine just released his most polished work yet, his debut YSL masterpiece, Confetti Nights, executive produced by the one and only NBA legend Kevin Durant. His time living in New York City, Atlanta, and Los Angeles have shaped him into the emerging standout artist he is today. I remember when we lived in the city and we went to the events, the shows, going to the recording studios, watching him mold his craft from the very start. It was no small job. Seeing the hustle and the dedication and the transition to now has been a beautiful thing to watch, and I can't wait for his oncoming success. Follow T-Shine on Instagram, at T-Shine underscore, and download Confetti Nights now on Spotify. T-Shine, what's going on, man?
1: sir um, what's going on, my brother? How are you? Yeah, man, I'm excited. It's good to be here. Good to talk to you. It's been a while.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, first off, what you smoking on right now? What do you got going on over there?
1: Currently, I'm smoking on uh, Biscotti and Gelato 41. Also, um, shout out to Connected. We got a, you know, the spin Nightshade that I'm smoking on as well. Shout uh, out to Connected. And also shout out to Alien Labs, my boy, Ted. Well, you know, we're just smoking real gas right now. Definitely my top two favorite weed companies. And it's good to be able to work with them directly.
0: Hey, man. And, and you do them a service, too. You know, people are uh, people want what T-Shine's smoking on, you know. They hear it. No, absolutely. It. But let's talk about the roots. I mean, you know, from Grenada, what do you remember about growing up there? I mean, do you really remember a lot of things? You said you were like six years old when you left.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember like certain, you know, certain things that you remember, certain memories that that stayed in my, in my brain, like certain moments at the beach and eating different food that I, that I remember liking as a kid and shit like that. So that's like, I got good memories from there, you know, positive, a lot of positive memories. There was like one moment of not positive memories. I remember one time I was a kid, I had ran into like the road where my mom lived It was like on a hill or like a big hill and I ran into the road and this, um, garbage truck was coming down the street and the brakes blew out. And um, so I was in the street and my grandma, she like ran out to get me. She just got me in time. The, gra- the garbage truck went all the way down the hill over some shit and crashed into a house. I remember that. So that's, that's something I remember. <laughs>
0: that's an insane story. That's a, uh... Yeah, that's 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 like a wild memory to have from childhood. You usually don't you know. But I guess if you're gonna remember something, it's gonna be something more traumatic and not something more like regular
1: Yeah, the traumatic shit is definitely gonna stay stay with you.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Grenada and then what was the original reason for the move to Long Island? Was it like family you had here? Was it a relocation? Like what what brought you?
1: So my dad, yeah. My dad was living like living in um East Hampton, so you know, it was he had just basically sent for me my mom she has um my mom has like 13 kids so you know it was it was already a help just for him to to want to just you know have me come out there and stay with him so that's why i moved out there with my dad and and started living with him
0: 13 kids man that's like that movie with uh steve
1: martin i I forgot mama was a real stone
0: man (laughs) yeah man so so east hampton roots and then growing up out in the hamptons and you know, was that where, where was the musical tie into all this? Like, when did you start really caring about hip hop? When did you start really caring about, you know, rapping and 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 music and and those kinds of things?
1: Um, <clears throat> before rapping, I I was really listening to like reggae music. You know, my dad he's in roster, he's like a roster, So he, I grew up listening to a lot of um, reggae music. And then, you know, as I got older, as a kid, I started, you know, dwelling going into my own. Growing into my own, you know, and then started listening to different things. And probably the first rapper I really was getting into, like, um, in my early, early days, I was really into Biggie and Eminem growing up. And then, obviously, as I got older than that, then I started listening to Lil Wayne, you know, 50 Cent, Lil Wayne, different people like that.
0: Lil Wayne was the standout. Was it because he made, like, the mega hits? Was it the, the style that he had? What, what was, what was it that stood say, out?
1: Like I listened to a lot of artists before Wayne, and that that you know, like I was rapping, like rapping, rapping. I would say now, obviously, I use auto-tune and these different things, but I would say Lil Wayne let like gave me made me want to still rap, but also like want to make like like you said, hits more and just like records and, and not just like just bars. You know, I wanted to to start making records, so I would say I, I would say that was because of Lil Wayne.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, that's the kind of artist he was or is, I should say. I mean, he didn't go anywhere. He's still here. Um, right. So, you know, and that kind of honed into the persona of T shine came in. When did that really come in? I guess that was like eighth grade, high school, early high school.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah, 2005, 2006 was probably when I got the name, I wouldn't even say that it was a me like I got the name then but I wouldn't say I became Keyshawn in those moments. It would definitely be after high school, but that's what I got the name in high school then.
0: Right. And at the time, you know, you played some basketball too. You were there, you know, we we, we we saw you playing some basketball.
1: Yeah, I played a little ball, you know. Um I used to take it more serious and then you know, I just I just got more into the to the music. And before the music I was really into art. But then, you know, I shifted from the art into the, into the, music, so.
0: Draw, paint, what was it? Photography?
1: Draw, obviously, I used to draw, I used to really be fired too. I remember the best drawer in my middle school at the time, me and him had a contest. I ain't gonna say it, man, because you know, we had a contest and I definitely <laughs> won, so shout out to him.
0: Oh. <laughs> I have a feeling I know he who, who he is. I feel like I know who he is, who but is. I,
1: we'll, we'll talk about
0: it after. But, yeah. all right, so, so you know, that that's the roots, that's the grow up. And then, obviously, moving to the to the later time there, I mean, going into the city is really what changed, right? I think that was the transition for you was working, you yeah. know, building that Rolodex and, and meeting these people that were connected to all these scenes and hip-hop and to all that kind of world, right? I mean.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I moved into um, New York City, I just basically, like, just kind of try to tap into the to the movement there, and you know, so I just started like messaging people different artists on Facebook and stuff like that, and I started you know linking up with them, and I was always throwing parties since since like I even the college Day and the shit I was throwing parties so when I moved to New York City, it was the same I was just throwing parties on time, so you know that became an easy way for me to link up with people meet different people and you know, just just let people know. Like I, I do music, and I'm just like, you know, I'm here. I'm trying to link up, trying to trying to make something happen.
0: Right, and I, and I just had Nate Fife on this podcast, and he was talking all about how that's how he really oh got boy. into. Yeah, how you know? F- shout out to Freed Mind Fabrications, Nate Fife. You know, we're both big fans. You know,
1: he, no, most definitely.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was telling me all about this. He's, you know, saying, you know, that's how I got into making jewelry and being a goldsmith is just reaching out to people in that, sir, in these circles and saying, Hey, I'm right here, man. I, I see you working down the street. You know, can I come in and, and right. you know, do this or work with that or can we collab or, you know, it was always kind of that networking and that outreach. Right.
1: And,
0: and I will say this I will say something about T Shine. You can have whatever opinion you want. But there are a few people that I know in my life that can network and market the way that
1: you can. That just comes from not giving up, you know. The only way, only way you lose is when you just stop doing what you want to do. So I just kept going at it. I know a lot of people. But the way you, you know promote yourself,
0: like, you know, the way it's like you're, you, you, you're such a good promoter of yourself and you always knew how to do that. You always had kind of the first social media presence or the first... You know, kind of, you were always the first one taking it to that posting thing or doing the new Instagram or doing the new thing that they have. Like, you were always kind of on top of the marketing trends.
1: I don't know what that even comes from. That just comes from, I guess, just probably just networking and being online and meeting different people. The gamer in you, man. Or the gamer in me, yeah. That's that's a fact.
0: So, you know, me and T-Shine were roommates in the city for, you know, my first year that I ever moved to the city. And we had an apartment Upper East Side, and uh, that was that was a brief stint we did there, and uh, you know we threw some parties in there, the the Swag Shack, you know, shout out. But good 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 memories in there. We played a lot of two K, played a lot of you know, played a lot of uh, video games, smoked a lot of weed, and uh, was incorporated in a lot of music. And I and I saw the kinds of people you know you were working with and bringing in artists and networking and. You know, it was like every every day we'd have some other rapper in there. Every other, you know, every other day we'd have somebody in there recording something. And, you know, it was just a really cool experience to kind of be involved on the sidelines with that, especially because I'm not, you know, you know me. A brief stint as a rapper, I think you're the only person on earth that knows my brief stint as a rap artist.
1: Um, we're, not, <laughs> we're not gonna talk about you actually weren't bad, I'm not gonna lie. I was pretty I was pretty shocked when I heard the song. <laughs> My boy Rob, who used to live with us as well. Shout out to Rob. Rob Hamilton, man, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Legend. And he and he follows the podcast page actually, so he'll hear this. Shout out to Rob.
1: Yeah, I see you all, yeah, I talk to Rob every so often. I wish talk a little bit more. Yeah, shout out to Rob.
0: All those, uh, you know, all those days playing 2K, man. Rob, you ever want the business again, bro? I'm here. We, you know, exchange the username.
1: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> There's Venmo, bro. We got it all day. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so, so tying out of the city roots, I mean, watching you network and kind of dive into this, obviously, we we got to do some credit. I mean, you know, there was a lot of circle. There was a lot of people we had in that circle in the city that really kind of, you put some groundwork in, right? I mean, you know, you were working with Perry on. You were working with uh, Sinatra, who, you know, wound up working with a bunch of gr- amazing artists and, and people and and these little circles that you kind of formulated. Shout out my
1: boy, uh, definitely want
0: to shout out my boy Sam Siegel, who's Oh, yeah. Sam Siegel. Yeah. I, I was actually just about to get to Sam and, and Ting and... And Ting. And right. And, and, and Ting and, you know, all those guys and... You know, Shane and, and, you know, all those dudes and Louie and, you know, that were there from the square one. I mean, you know, South by Southwest, we all went together that year. I mean, that was, I, I think that that was, that was such a good circle that we that we got placed in and, and that you got put in at the time and that you were making all these moves. And, and that's what it really was, is you making these moves for yourself. They weren't just happening.
1: No,
0: for sure. Definitely making the moves. Yeah, you can't wait on nothing to happen. So, so just to kind of segue to the next... Location really so obviously in the city too. You really got involved with those guys in the Bronx and shout out to to you know Burial Ground Records and
1: yeah N A Z Death Johnny. Shout out to everybody man the whole gang B G I you know what I'm saying Prime what up
0: yeah you know I feel like those guys too. I mean then bring in, bringing in the uh, production and and is that really kind of where you hone the skills to the engineering. Is really uh, accredited to them. Yeah,
1: once once we because we started up a studio and first it was at the house and then we ended up getting another location. But that definitely made me want to just learn, you know, learn how to how to actually engineer. As a kid, when I first started recording, we were using some bullshit program called like Kazaa some shit. I think that's the name of it, or whatever. That might have been the name of it. And you know, we used to, I remember we used to record a sock on the mic and shit. So I, you know. Like I said, once we got into the into the actual studio, I had real equipment, it gave me a chance to to just just to learn how to use. And you know, this is before I was even—I didn't even have plugins. Then we were using whatever the program came with. So it was really like if I listen to those songs now, of course I would think they sound shitty, but it was a start.
0: It was a start. It was a foundation, and obviously you have to build off something. You know, you can't just start from the very top. Right. You know. Maybe nowadays these no, kids, you know, they get lucky and they get a million TikTok followers and then they can be a rapper or whatever. But that's not how it really worked for our generation. We got the, the startings of the social yeah, no, media. We didn't get the
1: craze. Yeah, groundwork. Groundwork was still there then.
0: And, and so transitioning from that, really pulling into the circles, I, I even remember um, doing stuff with Crudo Means Raw. And now he's blown up doing crazy, crazy work. And one of the biggest Latin artists, I would arguably say, you know, he's he's crushing it right now. I mean, he's doing production and beats and songs and cool with us back then, too. And, and always hanging out and recording and
1: crate diving. and Yeah, I, I still talk to Kula over here and, that's, and definitely shout out to Kula, man. He's definitely doing his thing. He's, yeah. He's killing it for sure. Yeah. And
0: guys, that's at Crudo Means Raw on Instagram. You can check him out. It's you know, he's an amazing uh artist and producer and you know, beat maker. He's he's crazy, man.
1: Um, so in Atlanta actually I was working with at the time I was working with my boy Hef Naguap. And right, um right from there I had um so I was living in Atlanta recording with him and then I moved back to New York. Started living with my boy um, Max Spooner. Shout out to my boy Spooner, shout out to the guy. So yeah, so I was living with Max, and then um, one day Half hit me like, "Yo, I'm coming to uh, New York with TM88." You know, TM88 is an amazing producer. Um, he produced EXO tour life for Uzi, and he also produced one of my favorite songs, uh, "Cody and Crazy" by Future. So yeah. he told me they're coming to New York. They, you know, they're like, "Can we crash? You know, stay with you for a bit." So I said, "Hell yeah, come on!" So they they came, stayed with me at the um at the at the apartment I had at the time and then, you know, we just built a relationship there, me and TM and we just started fucking with each other. And, you know, as we got you know, we became friends just during this trip. We weren't even recording music at first. We just like really just built a friendship. Then, you know, then we started recording music and then, you know, a little bit later on from that, um, he was like, Man, I'm about to move out to LA, you should come and I was like, Hell yeah, man, let's do it. Moved out to LA And yeah, that's where, that's where the L.A.
0: And that's how the L.A. started, was that. That's, that's, then that's where we are. And then since then, how many years have you been on that west side now?
1: Uh, Probably like eight, nine years, like, yeah. Something like that. Probably like
0: eight years. Wow. Yeah. So, so that, so, so being there and, and being back and forth now, I mean, you've, you've been there, you were there for years and. You know, you still come back every once in a while. What was the biggest change moving from East Coast to West Coast? Was it mentality? Because I know a lot of New Yorkers have trouble moving to the West Coast, especially to L.A., because it is a different kind of city, different kind of people. What was your first take when you first got off the plane? Were you like, wow, this is amazing. I love California. This is paradise?
1: Yeah, like right away, I loved it. I mean, obviously, coming from New York, we all know how to, if you're from New York, you know about the winters. Even if you're not from New York, you see the winters, so. Nobody wants to be dealing with dealing with that shit. Well, I didn't want to be dealing with that shit. So just coming to California, and you know, just seeing how beautiful and warm, and you know, I was just like, wow, well, this is amazing. Everybody's smoking weed. Nobody's getting judged. It was great. <laughs> so I was, I was, I was all for it.
0: Yeah, and 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 so tying into that music scene there, really, that was did you network through the same connections you had already had in New York, and just kind of brought them over, or? was it more so you made a new circle? Like now, okay, now you had the new well,
1: circle. It was, like, it was, it was kind of new because I moved there with TM. And, um, at the time it was me, TM88, my boy, um, uh, Vito and my boy Strick, who I actually, those are my guys, you know, me, Vito and Strick, we live together now. So. Right. Um, when we moved out there, we were doing a lot of these shows and, um, we did high times, a lot of different things And TM would bring me out. I'd, I'd, I'd uh, you know, I'd perform with him and we just kind of were like, you know, going around these LA doing different shows. And that's kind of how even we even got on Thug's radar. Cause Thug had um, just gotten off tour. I mean, no, he was just getting ready to go on tour, my bad. And um, he needed a new DJ cause Metro Boomin was his DJ, but Metro Boomin wanted to focus on uh, producing. So he needed a new DJ. They saw what we were doing out there. He hit up TM. He was like, "Man, I want you guys to come do three practice shows with us. You know what I'm saying? And if if, if it's good, I want you guys to come on tour with us." So we did three practice shows today. To to this day, is like some of the most turned up shows I remember. So after that, like you know, we're jumping off the railing, jumping in the crowd, doing all types of wild shit. You know, just you know, just making it hyping it, so it up, and, right? Yeah, hyping it up. So then he was like, "Yeah, man, let's." I want you guys to come on the tour. So then, yeah, we came. Up, we went on tour with him, and I remember the first tour. Like TM was on the tour bus, but I wasn't even on the tour bus. Me and my guys, like we were, we were meat strict. Like we were literally like following the tour bus in a for I remember. So even then, that's like I said, it's a putting in the work. You know, I used to carry TM's bags and shit, like just different <laughs> shit, whatever they needed me to do, really. And and you know that's how that's how it goes like that's how it goes. But on the
0: side, you're you're punching bars in. On the side, you're doing this. On the side, you're getting studio time. On the side, you're doing this. Like you know, you're yeah, always
1: course, like,
0: you're always constantly still hustling. Working,
1: yeah, still working. And at definitely. the time,
0: you were engineering too, right? I mean, you were probably doing
1: mo- a lot of production yeah.
0: stuff and all that.
1: And yeah, I was gonna say no. Even on that tour, like on the, even on that first tour, I was I started recording. Um, or maybe I was second. I'm, I think it might be the second tour. Yeah, I started recording thug and Gunner and different people, like just on the tour bus. i just because I knew how to engineer. I was always recording myself. So somebody would come on, like, "Hey man, let's do something. Record me or whatever. Or let's do a song together." And I'd record both of us or whatever. So it, a lot of that, a lot of that stuff. You know, that's that's how you build a. You get closer just being on tour. You get closer with people, and, and you start getting the a better relationship. You know, at first we couldn't even walk into the room. I remember like, it was like that.
0: But. Right now for people that aren't familiar with like touring and touring musicians and, and touring artists and rap artists, et cetera. When he means touring on the bus, he's talking about, you know, when you guys have a bus, it's like a, you know, a nice bus, but the, it's kind of like you, you sleep in a coffin. There's like six, Different little bed, you know, areas with a little pole curtain and that's where you sleep on the bus. And some buses, you know, have 12 of these friggin' things inside of them. Um, some have five. You know, it all depends. So not everybody has room. So, you know, you're a guy following around the bus and then you gotta sleep at hotels or sleep wherever, sleep in the car, sleep wherever you gotta do, and that's the hustle you put in. I mean, and that's and that's that's the grind. You know, that's the grid of, of this business that people need to know about. It's not all you know, oh, you get viral overnight and this is how it works. You know, you got to put in those nah, hours. No, nah, no, definitely
1: not. You got to put some work in for sure. And obviously as time goes up, went on, obviously like time goes on, relationships build. So then of course, then the next tour, I'm on the tour bus. I have a bunk. Or whatever, right. Whatever. But you weren't going you know, to
0: let support. yourself downgrade the next year and like not be a part of it. Like you, you had to make sure that you put yourself in a situation to be successful.
1: You know, for sure.
0: And and what would you say? Was there a moment where you ever really doubted yourself in all this? Like, where you where you look and you were like, "Man, I'm not. This rap shit's fucking too hard. Like, one in a million makes it. This is
1: bullshit." Yeah, I mean, of course, of course. I mean, like I said, I've been doing this shit for, for like ten now. I don't know whatever it is, but like twelve yeah, years, mean, right? Yeah, I mean, of course you you get moments. You get moments of, of of thoughts where you think like, "Man, I can't do this shit no more. If I just get a regular job, I could." you know i could have money all the time even if it's not maybe the money you want at least you know you could have money all the time cuz i'm not going to lie like there was lots of moments where i was broke literally on my last but you know the whole thing is like i said like i always say it like you only you only fail when you give up cuz if you don't give up then at least like you know i'd rather die not like i'd rather die knowing i'm still i still was trying to do my thing rather than just give up. And then you never, you just, you know, you know, you never know.
0: Hey, we were joking on the podcast before, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, you know? You're the right. the Wayne Gretzky quote. It's like, you know, you you really do, if you don't get out there for the opportunities and, and you miss those moments and, and you don't stay grinding and you doubt yourself, that's when you start to lose it, man. And, and it's so hard. I would say it's harder for kids in this generation to stay focused because of the pressures of social media and, and just like the stigma of social media. you know, If you don't get 100 likes, if you only get 20 likes and your friend gets 100 likes, this whole stigma now that's around it makes it a lot harder and more competitive in that space. We, we were kind of in that weird middle ground where we were kind of the experts in social media because we got a few years to experiment with it when it was still being like debugged and, and figured out. So we kind of got that upper hand, whereas this generation got thrown to the wolves of like, all right, your whole life is judged. Everything is posted since you're a kid, you know, enjoy. (laughs) It's weird to see the transition between the culture, those sort of things. But so talking about really the touring life and going back to that and, and what it's like, what's it like to kind of be in that energy and be on the presence? Like, what was your first big show where you where you felt the energy in that room and you were like, Holy fuck, like this is incredible. Like your heart was racing. Like this is
1: amazing. The first big mm, like they gave you goosebumps. Probably like but like goosebumps, probably like rolling loud. The first rolling loud I ever went to with, with Doug. That shit was crazy. I met Andre three thousand, you know, like, he gave me his information. We became started becoming cool. We started talking all the time and shit. So I'll say rolling loud. Like years ago. This is way before they were even doing stadium. So, right. Yeah, Rolling
0: Loud. Damn, Andre Three Stacks, man. Legend. Legend. Absolute legend. legend. Actor, rapper. And uh yeah, I mean, so so that Rolling Loud, definitely a bigger show. Now what's now what's the biggest show that you kinda had your moment on and performed and kinda had the best show in terms of how you performed and, and your presence and kind of how you felt.
1: You know what? We just did, um, I actually just did this this uh, festival in Atlanta and that was really crazy. That was, um, that was not long ago, but yeah, there was this festival in Atlanta that I just did that was at, um, at, at the stadium. It was really, it was, that shit was crazy. So I'd say that. I'd say that.
0: That moment was your, the energy was at like peak level of like, this is insane.
1: Man. Yeah, the energy was at peak level. The whole gang is out. Everybody, you know, the whole gang is there. It was just, this is good vibes the whole the whole night so i would say
0: that now is there ever a worry around being around such you know kind of like higher profile people and and people have have circles and cliques and and people don't like these people these people don't like obviously young thug isn't isn't hated by any means but you know everybody has enemies is there ever a, a kind of like a, a watch your back moment you guys have when you're out and around and about in different cities and obviously not atlanta cuz i feel like that's more where he's based but you know, in in other places, is there oh, ever like no, a watch I mean, your back I mean, thing? No?
1: Yeah, but as you were saying, not Atlanta, but no, definitely Atlanta. You got to remember, like, you got to think about it. Your the, the place that you might get the most hate is probably your hometown because that's where you grew up. That's where, let's just say, you had problems with anybody. That's the most likely where a lot of your problems will come from. You know, your hometown rather than obviously not saying you can't start new problems can't start, but that, so yeah, Atlanta is actually one of the places you definitely watch your back but of course you know of course being a he's a high high caliber celebrity you know a-lister um yeah you but you know you just take take the the right um the appropriate measures and and then you just wish for the best like you can't i can't walk around just in fear all day you know i walk around you know we walk around smart and and we pay attention to our surroundings and 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 you know just try your best never flip up yeah yeah
0: and and have you gotten used to the lifestyle, like the security and the private jets and the, you know, have has that like settled in or is that like normal to you now where it's like, all right, we're getting on a private jet. We're going to, you know, Paris and then we're going to go to some other shit and then we're going to this. Like, is that normalized? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like at this point, like the, the jets and, you know, whatever, that stuff is normal to me now because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I got the opportunity to take jets a, a million times at this point. So now it is normal. It's still dope, It's still, you know, amazing feeling. And, you know, at the end of the day, like it's great, but I still want to be able to say, Hey, this is my jet rather than, than you know, I'm I'm on this jet because it's done. You know, obviously I'm thankful, but I'm, the whole point, and I'm sure this is what he wants for me too, is for me to be able to do the same thing for, for myself and put my homies on and have my homies get the experience of, Oh, wow, this is our first jet. You know what I'm saying?
0: Right. I mean, why, what's the point of having all of this if you can't share it with people?
1: You right, know. and even Thug with him, he did. A, he had to do his ground, his ground. He had to put in his groundwork. You know, he used to do the same. He used to work with Gucci Mane and hold Gucci Mane's bag, and now he's where he is. So it's 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 like if you know, he already knows what it is, and putting so in work is just part of the game. And and if you want to really be successful, you're going to put in that work.
0: Right, and and so oh, so Gucci was the connection with with Thug. That was the whole connection that 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 was brought about originally.
1: As far as how he how um, yeah, yeah I didn't really like, know how Young Thug
0: kind of came up into the game was it was through Gucci.
1: Man. Yeah, Gucci is one of the uh, earlier earlier artists that was definitely uh, rocking with Thug. Definitely, he was signed to Gucci at a at time.
0: Right, and and so all these uh, interworkings and and such, you know, you have to obviously put in your time, like you said. What's the actual process where, you know, he kind of sits after being on tour with you and seeing that you're a loyal guy and you're always there and you're always around and, you know, you're you're doing whatever for the team and you're there. Wh- when is that moment where he's like, hey, man, you got bars, like, let's let's record a track together or, hey, can you help me write this or, hey, can you, you know, you got this or, or oh, you got a bar for that or whatever, you know, like, when do these...
1: Yeah, somebody, you know, of course, he, he yeah, after a while, being on the tour bus and realizing, like, you know, like, I'm also as I'm recording him, you know, when he's not, when he's not recording, I'm making music. So eventually, yeah, he eventually heard my music and, and, you know, after that, we did collab, got the time to collaborate with him. That was my first song that we ever collabed on. It's called Sidestepping. It was on my project. Um,
0: yeah, that's a hot Castelli
1: John Costelli. John Costelli engineered the whole project and he also made that beat. So yeah, so of course, that's, that's, you know, I started doing that and that was before I was even signed to him. I was signed to, Empire at the time, but I remember getting that call from him saying he wants to sign me. I was actually out east in East Hampton at the time.
0: I want to say and that I was called, somewhat around because I feel like you had mentioned that news.
1: Yeah, he called me. I, yeah, you know what? I think I was at the tap. Like I think it was literally I was outside of the ta- against the tavern. I think they changed the name now. well tavern, but yeah, we was outside the tavern at the time. And um, yeah, he called me and he was like, "Man, I, I want you to sign." And I was like, "It was, you know, of course, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. This is family. This is not just signing to somebody. This is not just business. This is actually family. This is somebody I I actually grew with and built a real relationship with. It's not just on some, like, straight-up business, like, you know, shit. So I was like, let's do it. And um, I just had to get out of my Empire contract. So it took a little, you know, it took a little bit to just finish up my contract with Empire. And I, I have nothing bad to say about Empire. You just shout out to them. It was just time for me to, you know, move on and, and go do my thing right here with YSL, yeah. the family I built with YSL, so, yeah.
0: And and so that that's for YSL is Young Stoner Life. It's Young Thugs Label, and I think it's at Young Stoner Life um, on Instagram. But, you know, that's the YSL label. Uh, is that the umbrella that's for, you know, Strick and Gunna and all these guys that are a part of that label, right?
1: Yeah, so Gunna, Strick, Lil Key, obviously Thug. Um, also, we have a several, several, you know, Duke. Right.
0: Duke. Yeah. There's several a lot of artists. artists, a lot of talented right. guys, man. A lot of good shit coming out.
1: So much fun. Yeah. That yeah.
0: Great. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, what an album, you know, but just, just kind of hearing, you know, the, the, the stories and the connections between, you know, Hey, you can really put in the work and, and make these connections and network and, and be in these circles and, kind of really get your way in there. And like you said, it was just all about being in the right place, and he heard your track, and, and you knew, and and that's how the connection started. And, you know, when you when you uh, signed, was it like, is it like a baseball contract where, like, you know, in the MLB, your rookie year and your first two or three years, like you're on a league minimum contract, basically, and then, you know, you get the signing bonus and the big offer after a couple of years. Is that kind of how it works into hip-hop, or is it more so the other way you kind of work well, into it.
1: I mean, there's similarities, there's similarities. Like, yeah, in your contract, um, depending on how many years you sign for um, each album, your D your, the amount you get is more naturally. Cause you know, that's, that's what it is. You're, you're built, you're, as the albums go up, you're growing up, you know. And on the expectation, bigger.
0: you sell more albums, of course.
1: Right, right. But of course, if you become even bigger, than what your deal is, then that's where renegotiation happens. You know, you're like, okay, well, I'm this big now, so you guys can't expect me to just accept this amount because I can go elsewhere.
0: Well, it's a scary world in that sense, and I guess it's all about what kind of contract you sign. Because if you're sitting there and you're saying, okay, rap, you probably can't say, oh, I want to sign a 10-year contract because your value, your net worth, you know, your price today might not be the price tomorrow. Let's say you put out a, especially in this viral in, in, internet and world that we live in these days, one of your songs could go viral the next day, it's the hottest thing in the world, and all of a sudden you're number one on the charts, you're crushing it, you have a great year, and then the next year... Hard
1: to, to chase that record, yeah.
0: Right, so I think, you know, there it's a there's a different perspective in hip-hop with, with in terms of contracts. It's kind of more fluid, I feel like.
1: I mean, it, it depends, like you said, it just depends on your contract. There's, there's shitty contracts in hip-hop, just like there's shitty contracts in, in <laughs> right. a damn, you know, right. a regular job, so... Right. You know... You you have, that's why lawyers are very important. And, uh, you know, that's why, of course I'm lawyered up. I have a great lawyer. Shout out to my lawyer, Josh. Um, so yeah, like you, you got to just make sure you have a great lawyer that knows what he's talking about. And, you know, and from there, you should be good. You should be good as long as you have somebody that also believes in you as well. You know, that's the main thing too. You don't want to just get somebody just because you want to make sure this person actually get, like understands what you have going on and, really understands you and what you're trying to achieve
0: yeah uh, absolutely and to g- kind of fa- like a flashback to the roots we grow up around these people and we witness this was there was there sort of this kind of invisible chip on your shoulder where you felt like you know i have to work as hard to get to their level one day because i you know i'm I'm sick of this like
1: more so than a chip it was more so inspiration for me driving around you know going to montauk seeing these huge houses and just thinking damn like i want to be i want to get a house like this you know what i'm saying because it, it can't for me it wasn't a chip on my shoulder i can't be mad at nobody that's that's successful you know these, these guys are the millionaires and all these things out there for me it was more so like damn i want to be like this i want to be able to have a house like this and and i remember just me and the homies you know um just talking about these things and and just wanted to achieve it, you know, obviously now I'm able to live in, in a, a nice a nice place here in L.A. I just moved from, um, I was just living in Malibu in a nice house and, like, the house I was living in is literally, like, a house that I would dream, you know, that I could live in and and now I'm able to do these things. And I remember, like, even with my boy, shout out to my boy, Alex Toussaint, you know, we used to always talk about this. Me, me and Toussaint. Just being able to, to see how far we came, you know, like him, I just went to his house in Jersey. He has an amazing house, big-ass house, and You know, it's just seeing him do his thing and just remembering these moments of us talking, like you said, like, you know, well, you said this off, off, you know, combo when we're talking about Rhode Island and shit, but yeah, just how we came from there, you know, New York, then went to Rhode Island, and now we're here. It's just amazing. It's crazy how it all comes around, man.
0: Yeah.
1: Right, right.
0: And shout out to Alex, man, doing his thing over at Peloton, crushing it, you know, got his whole brand going on. He's, you know, he's just, he's doing it next level, you know, great. Definitely. And, and yeah, it's just like you said, I mean, it's kind of, you know, you, you see it all come full circle and, and how do you keep pushing through the force? And like, now that you're on this roll, do you feel like this is the T-Shine snowball now? Like you're, this is it, like now you're rolling, the ball is rolling and, and there's full force behind you, momentum is there?
1: Yeah, I feel the snowball, but this shit rolling up the hill right now, you know, we're trying to get to the top of the hill and it's rolling up the hill, so and you know a lot of people like you know from even from back home they i know i go out east sometimes and it's like a different feel like it treated a little different and it's like to me it's like bro i'm the same like we grew up together uh, you know um not much has changed except you know obviously some music shit but i'm not where i'm where i want to be yet of course i'm much closer than i was five ten years ago but you know still a long way to go and even when you're at the at your peak, you might still feel like uh, you have a long way to go, you know.
0: And, and how important is it for you to kind of reinvent how your craft is? I mean, reinventing the style of which you rap. I mean, you've went through phases, I'm sure, over the last 10 years of a different style of how you've done it. And then you've switched a little bit and then switched to flow and then switched how you did things. You know, how, did, yeah, how does that think- process kind of happen where you discover new flow and kind of discover those things?
1: I mean, it's a process, you know. Like anything else, it's a and it's and it's the the part of the fun is the process of of, of that. Like of, co- of course, when I first started rapping, I was really just more so like rapping, rapping bars, you know, no auto tune back then. I was just wanted to be it's damn near like battle rap, like punchlines and shit. You, you know, know me and my big L. Of, yeah, exactly. That was kind of what I was into at, at the time and shit. So from there, you know, you you like, of course, you keep. You keep having different experiences, and your music, you know, grows. Like you get older, and, and and your topics expand, and you're able to talk about more things. You're able to, you know, to because you, you're, you're of course, if you get older, you get more experiences. easier, You know, and then of course, then Auto Tune came around, and then I realized I started using that, and I was like, damn, I can do this with my voice and do all these crazy things. And then you know, you start building your sound even more from there, and I'm just. You know, I'm thankful that I'm at the point now where, like I said, being from New York, you always want to be able to. New York is like, you know, we big on rap. It's, just, it's just the foundation of rap music. So the Mecca, you want to be able to, of course, yeah, the Mecca. You want to, of course, have the bars still. So I'm able to blend in, you know, the auto-tune stuff, but also have the bars. And, and it's a great combination. People love to hear both. It's like, you know, like Drake, he'll sing and rap, you know, and people love that.
0: It's and and you were the, I swear in the city ten years ago you were the first person to tell me yeah this auto tune stuff man it was like all this Kanye stuff was coming out and you were like man this auto tune is man like and you were talking about all this stuff and I'm like yeah man whatever this shit sounds whack you know because <laughs> I didn't get it
1: yeah and that's and that's okay to not understand and not get it at that time and shit grows on you you know it doesn't make you a hit, it just makes you know you you you, you eventually it starts growing on you and um and yeah so.
0: Well, like you said, you grew up with reggae. I grew up with metal. I was a metal musician. I was a drummer. I did all metal music and, you know, double bass. I remember
1: remember you had a drum set at the crib and all that.
0: Right, yeah. So, I, you know, I used to do the metal side. And and then, you know, I get to college. I start smoking weed. And I'm like, wow, Bob Marley, man. And then, you know, I (laughs) I fall in love with reggae. And then reggae really slapped open the doors to all the music that I listen to now. I mean, in reality, reggae is really like Bob Marley and you know, uh, uh, Peter Tosh, and, and um, you know, all shout these... Peter Tosh. Yeah, like, all these artists, like, old-school artists, reggae, new reggae artists, Yellow Man, like, all these guys. That's what kind of opened me into the n- music I started listening to.
1: I got Peter Tosh tatted on my leg, actually, so shout-out to Peter Tosh. That's one of my influences, one of my favorite reggae artists of all time, so shout-out to Peter Tosh. Rest
0: in peace. Yeah, man, rest in peace. I mean, what a legend. What a musical legend. You know, it's... Oh, definitely. You got it. You got to think. I mean, all the all the songs too,
1: and and, and you know Lee Sc- it, Lee Scratch right.
0: Perry too just died. Crazy. I mean,
1: right. rest in peace.
0: Rest in peace. Legalize another legend.
1: Legalize it. Like he really did that song. Legalize it. And Now we're we're here now where we can. I'm literally able to come back to New York and walk around legally smoking weed. It's just a beautiful thing. I wish you could see it. It's you know?
0: Oh, it's beautiful, man. And you and. And talking about too back in New York and family and the roots and stuff. I mean, how big of an influence has your father been? I feel like knowing your your father, he's probably arguably the hardest working man I've ever seen. And you know, you can you can see it when you see the guy. Like you you can drive by the house and you see him working outside all day long. Like you you know, guy works. You know, and and I think is is that instilled a hustle in you and a drive in you from from is that inspirational?
1: Absolutely, man. You know, growing up, yeah, my dad—he always provided, always, you know, you know, always just took care of me. So for me, it's just, you know, like we never had money and none of that. And my whole, my whole inspiration, my whole grind, my whole wanting to do this is definitely to be able to to give my dad, you know, the same thing he gave me—just that that love and be able to take care of. Like like I said, my dad, like we had no money growing up, but he still made, you know, he still made do. So for me, it's just like. I need to, you know, that's why I say like people like even when I go back home they treat me like I made it already. I haven't made it yet, in my opinion. You know, I don't think I made it until I'm able to say, hey man, I just bought my dad this house, and I just got him everything he needs. I'm able to take care of my whole family and, and you know stuff like that. So still a long grind. Of course, I take care. I you know, of course I do do things for my dad now that I wasn't able to be you know doing years ago. So I'm very thankful for that. But there's still a way to go. But so yeah. shout out to my pops, you know. Definitely held it down. Definitely,
0: you're doing amazing right now in terms of numbers and just where what you're doing. Your Spotify, you know, you got like a half a million listeners or some shit a month. Like, what what are you doing? What do you got?
1: Yeah, I got like close to five hundred thousand listeners a month. I actually had. Well, the way that works is kind of like you know, if you drop if you drop something, then your, your listeners are going to go up because obviously you drop something. So I hadn't dropped anything in a while, but what after um, Slime Language Two dropped my 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 monthly actually went up to about nine hundred thousand wow nine hundred
0: thousand people listening to your track,
1: yeah, but I know for sure after I drop my album, we're gonna touch that million that i've been that I want to touch so a I'm million listeners in a, a month man that.
0: that's insanity, I'm trying to get five hundred to a thousand listeners a week on this thing, and you're getting. A million a month.
1: Hey, man, it's like, it's all a grind, though. so all the grind. And it's a podcast game. It's different. Um, it's different. this is dope. It's really dope you, you're, that you already have that many. To be honest, it's fire. Yeah,
0: I mean, you know, we're getting there. We're growing this thing. We're vamping up. Just like, you know, like I said, we're, we're in the grind stage. We're in that moment. But so right. Spotify, you're, you know, so Spotify, you're crushing it. Now, Apple Music and stuff. So how, how do, like, the royalties work? Like, do you get paid as, like, per time it gets played? Or is it, like, per thousand times it gets played it's one dollar like is there a, a, a scale to
1: this yeah so spotify apple music title all that stuff it's different um i think i think it's for spotify it might be every certain amount of um of plays equals a certain amount of money and so, i'm gonna i'm gonna ask well, you the obvious
0: question do you feel the amount is fair i'm gonna assume no
1: no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. But, I mean, I, just, is, I don't know. I haven't really not. spoke
0: to somebody who takes royalties from Spotify, so I don't really know how bad they screw you. Like, like other, you know, content no, no, sites not or like other they things.
1: Screw you, but it's just the numbers. It's kind of crazy. Like,
0: do you think in a different era, like era of CDs and and cassettes and stuff, do you think you would have been totally screwed, or do you think you would have kept up with you know what kind of how you're at now and the pace?
1: No, I think uh, if 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 I was you said if I was getting like some CDs and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, imagine like if you didn't have the tool of online marketing, you know, and you were on the corner pushing CDs. Would you still be in the
1: same spot? Yeah, no, it's a di- it's a different grind. It's a different grind. I can't say I'd be in the same spot cuz I just don't know like it's a it's a totally different grind. Obviously, <laughs> I would say that I would still be grinding towards that regardless. But I can't say that I would be. I think I'm better off with the internet because I'm. Yo, man, you want some CDs? But just to show you, like, yeah, like the. A a million streams on Spotify gets you about $4,000, I think. Something around that much.
0: So if one song gets a million streams.
1: You get about $4,000. And
0: what do you mean, 4,000? Like once?
1: Yeah, like every million streams. Oh, okay. So it has to
0: break that next threshold for you to get paid?
1: Right, and I got songs. Obviously, like I have a song on here on my thing that got sixteen, sixteen million, you know, sixteen million streams. So, but that's still not that crazy, you know.
0: We all know here that musicians and rap artists and alike, they make their money off two things: touring and
1: merchandise. So, you know, yeah, of course, that's where you're making and when your my album, when this album drops. we're gonna definitely we're going crazy with the merch. For sure. Can't so, yeah, work. I
0: haven't seen T-Shine merch yet, man. Am I sleeping or have you been sleeping? What's up?
1: No, 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 no. no. I haven't put out a project. So, I'm actually, I have a clothing company I'm working on right now. But that's, that's a whole different thing. But the merch for my album, definitely, does will be merch for my album. And there was merch for my songs that were on Slime Language, too, as well. I have, you know, the hoodies, and we had the hoodies, and we had... Um, wow, I didn't get a phone call, know, man. <laughs> Thanks for the
0: hoodie, bro. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you that's crazy. I have Matt it. I can get you one for sure. All
0: right. Yeah, no, you dropped this song, 30 for 30, it slaps, you know, and, and that's kind of the kickoff to this album. Was the, Is that going to be like the single of the album, or was that just like the
1: teaser? That's the first single, the first single. So 30 for 30, I wanted to, with that song, you know, first of all, let me say the album is called Confetti Night. You know, it's, it's, it's like a celebration feel. It, it's a, it's a, it's not just like a celebration right away. It's like a kind of like a basketball theme towards this to my album. So it's basically, you know, you are starting from the rookie year, you know, I mean from college basically to the rookie year to doing your thing the MVP that you get to the championship. So that's kind of the vibe of it. And 30 for 30 is that championship feel. Obviously if you ever seen the 30 for 30 documentaries, you know, you know, you know something about that. It's about right. just, you know, it's, it's Documentaries on on the success of whatever different different sports moments and all that stuff and different you know people teams and stuff so yeah so the thirty for thirty is, is it's got that type of vibe to it also like I said sticking to the basketball theme I actually have um, Kevin Durant executive producing the album so I'm very proud of that shout out to my boy KD he's gonna have a great year this year I'm very excited
0: yeah man KD Kevin Durant producing T Shine's new album Confetti Nights. They got the single 30 for 30 that came out already. You can listen to that on Spotify. I'm sure it's everywhere. Apple music, YouTube, you know, actually it's even on Instagram too. You can put it in your story and like makes that little thing. Now, does that count as a royalty? If people play that?
1: Yeah. Everything you get paid off, everything.
0: Okay. So if I used it in my story, that counts as like a listen. Yep. Wow. So hear that, man. Help your boy T shine out, man. Post those songs. In your store. Yeah, post
1: it. Posted. And even if it any in you know every little thing posted, matters. Somebody man. Else, Yeah, one person posts it, somebody else can see it. Even if it's one person, that's still one more person. You
0: know? Ah, wow. So even the people that see it and hear it also count. Wow. What a world. What a world of music. Confetti nights, it's gonna be the project. It seems like, you know, it seems like all the the build up is is to this to this moment where confetti nights will happen. And you know, it's just—it's amazing, man. Sub language to the love you have for Kobe Bryant was that kind of a confetti nights? Was that like a a a play on that?
1: Yeah, yeah. The the, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Obviously, my well, not obvious. Nobody will know this, but that is my favorite basketball player for sure. Rest in peace. That that that. You've always idolized Kobe. Kobe. That's for
0: sure. I'll back you up anytime anybody says anything. You've definitely always idolized Kobe and and the Lakers, and
1: hundred percent. And my original cover. Um, my original cover for Confetti Nights was basically a remake. It was like Kobe, you know, after he won the championship, he had the ball. I mean, he had his hands wide open just celebrating, and the crowd is in the back, and the confetti falling. So my original cover was that, but then a song got leaked, and the cover got leaked with the song, so I changed the cover. But rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Uh, You know, definitely a big inspiration. And 30 for 30 is, um, that inspiration comes from, not only Kobe, but the from the music video, I I went to my another favorite basketball player of mine, Allen Iverson. So I recreated a couple scenes from you know from Allen Iverson's career, like right. his practice scene, I recreated that, and um, his, his scene where he shot the ball over Ty Lue and and then you know stepped yep. over him. I definitely recreated that as well in the video. So that was really dope to just get that opportunity to do that and and just you know just show him, pay homage to to one of my favorite players.
0: Yeah, I mean, what uh, a force. A AI, in that time, he was a force. And he wasn't just a force. I think AI was important, or and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think AI, more importantly, that he was this incredible force of a basketball player, culturally, what he did for the game, I think, was was above and beyond. I think that was like what really took AI over the top. It wasn't just that he was an incredible basketball player. It was that he was the first player... To like rock his own style and not give a fuck about what you know he should be wearing to the games and what and this and that and he had his own flair and had his own way he carried himself and spoke and like he didn't let kind of the NBA dictate how he's gonna live or or how he's gonna act. I feel like he was the kind of tra- uh, trailblazer.
1: Yeah, I mean, of course he was. I mean, even on the court, he bought his style. I mean, he had the extra long shorts. You know, he wasn't wearing those shorts that I used to, that everybody else was wearing. He was wearing the extra long ones and. You know the do rags and different things like that. Of course, Alan Iverson brought the style to the game, and also you know he had that that just that hip hop vibe vibe to him even on the court. So didn't he produce albums? Definitely. Like,
0: didn't he make rap albums?
1: Uh, I know he's definitely tied into the rap world, but him himself.
0: He was like in a music video, I think, right? Like he was in music videos, he was doing song. <laughs> I think
1: he like guested on wrote, some songs. he made an album, but I don't think he actually dropped it. I think he worked on one, but never actually dropped it. But, <laughs> but definitely, of course, he's tied into music. And so what, what
0: was it like to, uh, just to bring this back real quick before we exit this podcast, you worked with Mac Miller on a on a song, "Laundromat." I think it was called, and obviously, I don't think it was an in studio thing, but the influence that he had—did he have a uh, an influence on you as well in terms of an artist, or was he just somebody you you saw that was crushing it, that you wanted to collab with at the time?
1: I just really, at the time, I I really just you know was like, damn, this guy—he just got. I just like what he was doing, even at those at back in the day when when Lonnie Mac came out. You know that was. He grew as an artist from then even to, the, to the, obviously, before he passed away, the, the type of music he was making. But I always thought Mac Miller was dope. And, uh, and you know, just I, I'm happy he brought up Mac because before he passed away, I got the chance to link up with him. I was on, we were on the tour with, um, it was the Thug and J. Cole tour. And backstage, I saw him, you know, and, and we spoke about the song Laundry Matt. There was actually a crazy thing about that song um, that happened with it um but we spoke about it we laughed you know he gave me his number and, and he was like you know what just text me i'm gonna pull up on you at, at the studio so you know later on whatever a week whatever it might have been later i texted him like come to me actually might have been a couple of days later actually texted him come to the studio he pulled up on me you know we, we kicked it did, you know then i got him to him and thug they did some music together as well and wow. um and yeah, like right before he died, I remember he left the studio. He was like, Um, I'm gonna pull back up on you. He did come back he did come back to the studio again and then um I remember after he left he was like, Yo, I'm gonna text you to you know, to come to my studio. So he had texted me to come to the studio with him to come meet him over at the studio. I, I actually ended up not going. I, you know, I regret that I didn't go. And then like a day or two later he passed away. So rest in peace, Mac. I'm just happy we got to, you know, link up Damn. before that. And and I would say, you know, definitely had one of the last sessions with him. So, most in peace, Mac. Damn, man, that's Great
0: crazy. Guy. I didn't know that. That's wild. Yeah, definitely. What a talented Mac person. Miller. What he was doing to watch his career transition, we all knew Mac Miller is like this hokey-jokey rapper in the Wiz Khalifa era that we were like, oh, you know, he's rapping about, like, you know, skipping school and eating go and shit. Like, who's this kid? And then you watch his style over the years – just transformed it like this beautiful butterfly. Like he just, he just transformed his whole style and and his production and everything he was doing was just so elevated. And and the musical components he was putting in the singing, the you know the the musicianship, the 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 horns, the strings, the quartets and stuff he was using in his songs. He developed yeah, I mean, so he much,
1: making, man. Even when he came to the studio, he brought I remember he had like. He, was, he made these beats, too. He bought a little, like, basically a loop that he did and just started doing a whole song on it with him and Thug. And, I mean, that song is crazy. I hope one day it gets released. It's was, it was just, it just one of those records, you know. He They did about two, three records that, that one night. So, you know, I hope one day those records do come out. But Mac Miller, man, goodness, what a talent. Crazy talent. Rest in peace, um, Mac, for sure.
0: Crazy, man. I still listen. I bought all his vinyls you know a little while back and I'm and I'm listening to his vinyls and stuff you know on a weekly basis and and it's just crazy man he he grows on you even more as he's gone it's it's nuts and and is it is know. it bizarre to kind of step step back and think about kind of where you started and, and and okay you started literally recording with a sock i remember the setup you first showed me it was like literally a sock on a mic with the egg crate like the yellow egg crate in that room you had with literally just a bed in it with like no coffee table, no nightstand, nothing. So you you go from that and you go, you know, you start slow and you, okay, Smoke Dizza was a feature on one of your early tracks. And then, okay, then you got Mac Miller on one of your early tracks. And then, okay, then you got this guy and this guy. And now it's where you are now. I mean, is it a bizarre thing to kind of look back on it? Is it something you reflect on often? Or you really, you're kind of in high speed so you don't think about it?
1: Yeah, it's crazy though. So I actually was just in New York and um, I ran into the producer of that song, launching that, uh, Cardo. Shout out to Cardo. Um, so we linked up and we we that was another moment we got to share another four funny story about that song. Like I was saying, the same thing with Mac Miller. And um, you know, it was dope to, to link with Cardo, and now we're gonna start working on some stuff. So it came full circle, you know. It's, it's crazy running into him at the store.
0: It's crazy how those little moves come full circle. You know, all the connections and everything. Now, who are some artists you're really looking forward to, to collabing with in the future? Like, who's somebody you really want to work with bad and and you might, you know, you, you want to try to get there?
1: Um, Someone that I haven't worked with that I would like to work with. Uh, I'd actually really like to work with Adele.
0: You'd like to work with Adele? Yeah. Like, wow.
1: Really
0: wow. Adele. That's surprising. I mean, that's just kind of a curveball. Now,
1: love I love Adele. She's about to drop an album, I think, yeah, called 30. I love Adele. She's
0: amazing. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think everybody loves Adele. I'm just surprised that that was the the first artist you chose as opposed to some, you know, higher, you know, bigger rapper or something like that. I would have thought you were going to say like Action Bronson or like, I don't know, Kanye or, you know, whoever. But all right, so aside from that, uh, Confetti Nights dropping. If I could tell you to predict what year will T Shine win his first Grammy what year are you gonna win that Grammy in
1: well you know hopefully hopefully they 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 change the the voting system how that ship's set up over at the Grammys but uh but besides that I would say uh what are we twenty twenty one yeah hopefully they the next Grammy comes within you know a year or two i i'm I'm I would expect it to be in in a year or two. Wow! Obviously, to me, the music I make now is definitely Grammy. Like my album, if I was a huge artist, this would easily be Grammy Grammy worthy. But you know, of course, it's all it's all a grind. So, yeah, I think give me a year or two more, and then you should be definitely hearing about. All that, right. that Grammy win.
0: I like that prediction, man. That's that's what I like to hear. One or two years, I like the confidence. That's that's what I like. I, I believe in it, man. I truly do. I believe in it. I've always believed because I've seen your hustle from square 1 and I think it's important for other people to hear your story and to hear that inspiration and to hear kind of what keeps you going and and what's brought you to this point because you know it really is a really cool story and I think you know more people need to kind of feel inspired by that.
1: No, definitely. Definitely.
0: Yeah, man. But I guess we're uh we're out of here for the night. We're going to call it a a a, a show. But uh, I really appreciate you coming on, man. It's always love, and, you know, we'll have to link up the next time you're out here and out east and, you know, go back a long way, and, and uh, it'd be nice to reconnect and, uh, you know, smoke one down, of course.
1: All right, and shout-out to all my homies from out east. You know, my boy, Eric Fraser, Jerome, <laughs> 2 you know, my boy, John Moore, and Shout-out to the gang, man. You know what I'm saying? Everybody got really fuck with out there.
0: Yeah, man. Shout-out to all the homies. Everybody knows who they are. You know, we're gonna get uh T Shine right, in of the studio. More people. Oh yeah. And we're gonna get you in the studio here physically as well. Uh not just for the phone interview next time you're around. We'll, we'll make that happen too as well. All right. T Shine, man, always a pleasure. And uh good luck and uh, you know, wish you all the best, of course.
1: Thank you, Sharon man. I am I'm, I'm just happy about this that you got going on with the podcast, but I wanna see you run with this shit too, man. So I'm yep. excited for you, man. Keep going, keep doing your thing.
0: Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. And I know you mean it and, uh, you know, excited for the future, man. What? This podcast is brought to you by Breadmeat Skateboards. www.breadmeatskateboards.com